Greetings, listeners. Welcome to the 963 Universal Frequency. I'm your host, Esther Clare, spreading awareness with an open heart, an open mind, living life and being free. Some exciting news for Western Australia. From the 10th of June, mandates for the jab will end for all workplaces, with the exception of healthcare, aged care and the disability sector. There will also be no quarantines and no cap on the unvaccinated arrivals. I don't watch the news very much, and if you have listened to my episodes, you will understand why I don't like the mainstream media. However, (laughs) I've been cycling or jogging, walking into work, and there is a... a, uh, a shower station was a bike station and basically you can have a shower in this area and they have these screens so while you're showering you can actually see these screens these tv screens and the news is on and there each morning that i've done this and and i've had a shower in in this facility there's always these four main topics and it's covid the war in Ukraine, the increase in food prices, and of course, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Now, this has been going on for the last maybe week or so since I started using the facility. So yeah, I've been I've been listening to the news because I can't really help it. And from my understanding, so apparently we West Australians are 98% double-dosed. Now, I had heard this stat a while back, so I'm surprised that it's still the same. And 81.8% are triple-dosed. I'm not too sure about these statistics. As I said, it's the mainstream media, and our premier has been draconian in his method and tactic to force the people into getting the jab. So it is feasible. It is quite possible that that is correct in our statistics. But what I did find to be a massive misconception is that he said that the COVID cases have fallen rapidly. Now, I have to disagree with that 100% because not long ago, it was said that our hospitals had a surge of COVID cases and people were dying. Not many as what's been happening in other places and whether or not that's true or not, again, I'm not sure, but there was an increase in the beds, hospital beds that these people had COVID and they were severely ill. And during this time, I I didn't go out very much because of all the stupid rules with showing your certificate and all that kind of stuff. But the people that I was still meeting up with, nobody knew anybody that was dying from COVID. Nobody was really getting COVID at that point. You'd hear someone here and there, but it wasn't really a big deal. And now, within the last couple of weeks, everybody has COVID. Everybody seems to have COVID. And if it isn't the person that you're with, it's their child has COVID or their mom or somebody has COVID. 
And I've been very fortunate. I've even shared a meal with somebody that ended up telling me that they were uh, a positive COVID case. Shared drinks with people that have COVID as well. So I've been very, very lucky. And, you know, I don't know if that's got anything to do with what I've been trying to do in terms of my meditation, in terms of fasting and just being as holistic as I possibly can and to just try and regenerate my, well, change my DNA through lots of different <laughs> techniques. I mean, you name it, I've tried it. So possibly, I don't know. But what I have come to realize is that it's just a shame so many people went and got the jab and now even the mainstream media is calling it the jab. They're not calling it the vaccine anymore. Well, they're saying dose, double dose, triple dose. The term vaccine is kind of fading away. But anyway, you know, it's, it, it's going to be an interesting next couple of years because it's not the end. It's just a, an experiment, I, possi- I think. I believe it's just another experiment to see what they can possibly do next. And it's just sad that so many Western Australians went with it and now it's just gone. No one seems to care anymore. And whether or not you do believe in the vaccine or not, you've still kind of allowed people to not be free in their decisions. Why can't a healthy person make the decision to use their autoimmune system to fight infection? Why can't this person be wise enough brave enough, strong enough to make this decision, yet a person who doesn't believe in themselves, and when I say that, they don't believe that their body is capable to fight infection, that they're not strong enough, that they're not fit enough, can get the jab, no problem. I feel as if there's got to be a bit of reverse psychology here. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really grasping what's happening to the world, but, you know, I'm not saying I haven't been sick. You know, I have been sick. I was, I used to get sick in my 20s, but that's because I think I had a lot of stress in my 20s. I was always trying to find a job. I was always trying to fit in. I was doing so many different things to try and find what I was looking for. My 20s, it was good as a social decade, but other than that, I really didn't like my 20s <laughs> I regret a lot of things in my 20s and when I got to my 30s I started to really appreciate it a lot more and I found that I wasn't getting sick as much I mean I had the detached retina situation and I also had a situation where I had influenza but I think that was kind of my fault and I won't get into it too much but I tried to cross the Tasman River in um, the, the South Island of New Zealand and uh, yeah, it's deceiving, by the way. I'm sure there's probably people that know what I'm talking about when I say that I try to cross the Tasman River. I don't know. You're probably shaking your heads and going, you're an idiot for even trying. But yeah, it's icy cold. The current is very strong. And as I said, it looks deceiving. You think that you can just skip and leap over the the islands. That you... It's deep. It's deep. And uh yeah, I ended up getting some pretty bad hives when I got out of that water. 
but you know and then I had influenza not long after that so I think that was self-inflicted that sickness but uh, I digress anyway I've been looking into epigenetics for quite some time now and there is so much study coming out recently and yes science science is the word that is proving this so that word science should help those skeptics to realize that it is based on facts and not just self-belief genetic linguistics cell reconfiguration rewiring dna prolonged fasting reaching autophagy all of these things are just i am surprised that it hasn't been blocked because you can find this information that there is it is probably not as easy to find but if you do your research you will find this information is out there and more people are coming out and it's great i'm loving it uh, our cells our membranes is affected by environmental stimuli now this isn't something new it's not rocket science we all know this for instance food we eat there's a lot of GMOs out there. There's a lot of food with pesticides. Even if you go organic, your know, animals are injected with all sorts of vaccines. And then there's toxins in the air. Whether or not you believe in chemtrails or not, you're going to have pollution and other sorts of things. Even medication is another form of toxins. You know, you think of graphene oxide. That's one of the worst toxins that we have, and that's in our vaccines. Or, but no, it's just a little bit. It's just enough to uh to help us but we've already got freaking graphene oxide in us so why would we need a little bit more to help us fight infection we've also got you know chemical exposure i mentioned that uh but even uh em emotions that we have so um social situations getting upset about something or you know, getting angry about something those things affect us too and so these types of stimuli affect the protein that's around these cells and this can be a major issue because this is what leads then to diseases for example these types of damaged proteins can turn off a gene that makes a tumorous suppressant protein so regardless of whether or not you think a vaccine actually works you're basically still affecting the cells in the body everybody's different everybody reacts differently to different things you know there's a lot of obese people out there that are living really long lives maybe not the happiest and healthiest but they're living a long life some people get cancer some people that are very fit get cancer yet they might have other problems that are, is triggering these types of developments in their body and so I really enjoy this conversation that I have with Amanda Kate. Now, Amanda Kate is an expert in kinesiology. And kinesiology is another modality, if you, if you will. So in this episode, Amanda will be talking about vibrational remedies and sound creativity, light therapy, and energy healing. So I hope you enjoy our conversation.
Joining me for this episode is Amanda Kate, a kinesiologist, mentor, life coach, and mother. She's also the author of Divine Messy Human, which is a spiritual guide to prioritizing internal truth over external influences. Amanda connects with me from Melbourne, Australia to discuss kinesiology, energy healing, and vibrational medicine. So I'm super excited to be learning about these holistic practices that you are knowledgeable in and obviously the autoimmune diseases that you experience, which led you on your path. But before we start, do you mind me asking about the current vibe in the most livable city in the world? Is it still the most livable city in the world after the coronavirus? <laughs> oh, look, um, I only have my view and my opinion on it. I'm sure some people still do think it's the most livable city. Um, in my view, it's never really been home. Um, I landed here rather than chose here. Um, and yeah, look, it used to be the most livable city and I understood why it got that. But I have to say, if it weren't for my children, I would not still be living here. Um, it has been really challenging and people are so desperate to get back to normal. But I sometimes wonder if normal is ever going to be achieved again. <laughs> yeah, I feel as if here in Perth, we are getting back to that place mm. i i've been going out because we had the whole you have to show a certificate yes. to get into any place and wear the mask mm -hmm. and i just refused i refused to do that because that was just ridiculous and so the last couple of weekends because it's all it's all ended basically yeah. not completely yeah. but you don't need to show a certificate and wear a mask so i'm going out and even last night just it feels as if it's just, yeah. it never existed. Yeah. People have sort of pushed it under a rock. The difference we have here in Melbourne that I have noticed in clinic is that there are a lot of people who suffered a lot of trauma, both from, you know, mm -hmm. the, well, from all of the stuff, the mandates, the lockdowns, everything. A lot of people have lost their jobs. A lot of people have walked away from their jobs. And whilst there's a lot of people hiring they're all looking for people who are, you know, who are complying with certain mandates. And that makes it challenging um, for those who want bodily autonomy. Um, and, and I also feel like there's been a bit of a backlash against some of the natural therapies over here because we were so maligned um, throughout the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it's just fascinating. I have said to people that we can't get into post-traumatic stress disorder until we're through the stress mm -hmm. and a lot of people are still yep. in it right now they are struggling financially mentally emotionally physically our children um it's beyond words I think what's happened to our children through it the anxiety levels are through the roof social anxiety is through the roof um and and those who used to love going out me included <laughs> feel a little I still feel nervous in crowds. Um, are you are you still having to show certificate proof of no, that, vaccination? That if you ended, I think, I want to say early-ish April. Um, but again, I know a lot of people who had um, who had, you know, um, certificates that that were, you know, perhaps. Yeah. yeah, we won't say all the words, <laughs> the vibe will be there. So again, you know, and, and whether or not that's a good thing, because 
then it looks like there's more compliance than perhaps there is. So, yeah, look, it, it's been all over the place. And, and I think, you know, I, I feel like I've been in a bit of a blessed position because I have friends who are pro all of that sort of stuff and I have friends who are completely anti it. Um, I've been kicked out of friend groups because I've been trying to find a middle ground a middle ground of love and compassion and concern for the mental health and concern for the the lack of talk about immunity, the lack of ability to speak our minds, um, the lack of ability even to have a conversation about some of the stuff that's gone on. We've been shut down and we've been screamed over. I haven't been particularly um, vocal on it because I see that my job as, as a healer although I don't really like using that word, as a facilitator, um, as people shift their stresses and their traumas, is to not really have those strong opinions and certainly not bring them into the clinical space. So I have kept relatively quiet, but even with the one or two quite innocuous things that I shared, I've been cut Mm. out of friend groups as well. So it's been quite fascinating just sitting back and watching and and also watching, you know, I've got uh, two children, uh, 16 and a half and 14 and a half, um, and my partner has children that are 15 and um, nearly 11. And so watching them navigate it as well as getting the stories of their friends and all of that sort of stuff has been, um, I think that that part's been more heartbreaking than anything else. Yeah. So there's a lot still going on and who knows when it'll finish. (laughs) Who knows? I mean, now we've got monkey box. (laughs) Money box. Isn't that what we're calling it? (laughs) Money money box. That's a good one. Yeah. I like that. I hadn't heard that. Yeah. No, it's it's only going to shift more money into uh, certain companies' hands, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it funny that everybody is aware of this? Mm. I, 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 that personally, I here in Western Australia, that everyone just feel, felt as if there was no option. Yeah. You just have to get it. But we know it's, it's being forced. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I mean, hats off to people in Melbourne because they, they really fought mm. for their freedom. They, I, I've got to, yeah, like, you know, commend them for that. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of RV. Yes. I was following him a lot and I just thought, wow, it's, we did not experience anything like that. But I think Western Australian people just go with it. We we do what we're told. Well, a lot lot over here do the same as well. Um, I went to a couple Mm -hmm. of the protests and I have to say it was phenomenal. Absolutely Mm -hmm. phenomenal. There were literally every single age of person every like even just I mean and look it's all going by visuals and what you see but I can it felt like the full cross-section of society was there there were grandmas there fighting for their children there were church groups there there were you know community groups there there were you know tiny kids from prams on shoulders you know walking through they'd made their signs um there were old like really quite old people as well joining in in wheelchairs that couldn't walk properly. And and the conversations that, you know, I had with a number of different people were absolutely heartwarming. Um, 
And and it was so it it I guess it was beautiful in the fact that it reminded me that there is still such a a strong heart center to our communities. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. was beautiful. Yeah, it was nice to see that. I, I went to pretty much all of them here in, in Western Australia and there was a lot of people that were, mm. were there and fighting for their for their freedom, but it just wasn't <laughs> enough. It wasn't enough, unfortunately. But I found them always very peaceful. We never had an issue with the police, which I know Melbourne struggled. The people mm. struggled with that a lot. But um anyway. Let's let's hope that <laughs> we've learnt from this in some positive way. And uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right, There's always right. learnings. So let's uh, start with your life journey, Amanda. How did you find kinesiology? Um, I guess I really started um, becoming more aware of where I was in life. I'm guessing around, I remember it was in my early 30s, 32, 33. So around 11, 12 years ago now. Um, I don't mind saying that I'm 44. Um, <laughs> you don't look 44. Thank you, darling. You do not look 44. Um, well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I look back on photos from 10 years ago and I look younger now than I did then. And I, I do put it down to doing the internal work that is is needed to live the kind of life I wanted to live. But I guess back then I, I started on some form of internal journey whereby I guess I was looking at my life and on paper it was brilliant. Um, I had what most people would want on paper. I had the travel. I was living in the UK at the time. I had two beautiful children. Um, I had a, you know, rich, successful husband. And yet I just felt like I was going through the motions, one foot in front of the other. By the time we moved to Australia in, um, I was 33 at the time, so I've, I've nearly been in Melbourne 11 years. I spent 11 years in the UK as well, so it was quite interesting all my 11s. Um, <laughs> and, <the> city. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and moving here, I started to get really unwell. I started to get really unwell. And I was having sometimes two or three hours sleeps in the afternoon. I was a stay-at-home mum. Um, so I'd drop the kids at school, I'd go to the gym, I'd clean the house, and then I'd be in bed for a couple of hours. And that was not like me at all. I'm usually motivated and energetic and I fell in a heap. Um, and that, I guess, started me being really curious about, about where I was and what I was going. So I did start to clean up my diet. I started seeing a naturopath. I got off gluten, um, started reducing processed sugars, all of that sort of stuff. And a couple of years after that, I quite severely hurt my foot, you know, um, when I was boxing at my gym. And that was really the catalyst um, because they thought I had the starts of rheumatoid arthritis, which is an autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm. I'd been being monitored for Hashimoto's because it does run in the family, which is the thyroid um, issue. Um, and I started really just not feeling well is the only way I can really put it. I I would have blood tests and I'd go to the doctor and the doctor said, you are the healthiest sick person I've seen. 
you know, I was exhausted. I was not functioning well. I was stressed. I was heading towards depression. Um, I was not sleeping well. All of that stuff, like it just, and it felt like if I had one bad day in terms of eating too much or drinking too much, I'd put on two kilos and then it would take me almost all week to lose it. And then if I had another bad day the next weekend, I might put on three. Mm -hmm. And so my weight was just going up. I wasn't sleeping. Everything was feeling uncomfortable. And it, it got to a point where I was told I had chronic fatigue. Um, I was seeing a Chinese doctor, a chiropractor, a couple of kinesiologists at that point, or a kinesiologist, I think it was at that point, um, and a psychologist and probably another couple of people. And I got about three or four people uh, and the naturopath still. So I had about three or four people say to me, you've got chronic fatigue. And I went, huh, that makes a lot of sense. And by that time, I was about 35, 34, 35. So we're talking, you know, nine years ago now, roughly. And I'd been on the path for a little while, started looking at my mindfulness, started, you know, I guess, reading a bit more about it. Um, But it was really, I had a holiday um, in the Gold Coast. It was, I don't know, just before I started the journey. So I'll I'll guess around maybe seven, eight years ago, probably less, probably seven years ago, let's call it. Um, And I came back and I was just a broken mess. I'd I'd been stressed. I had a bit of a traumatic incident um, with my then husband and, and everything just started to fall apart. And I went to see a Um, a doctor to get a mental health care plan because I thought I was broken I needed to be fixed Um, there was something wrong with me and I wanted to fix myself enough to save my marriage because I knew my marriage was completely and utterly toxic now that comes from both parties there is never one who is you know the toxic party and I fought fire with fire um, because I'd started to stand up for myself Um, I just did it in completely the wrong way (laughs) completely unresourceful So I started looking for resources, I guess. Um, And that first kinesiology session, um, I still remember it was the 24th of April, 2015, and it changed my life. And by the 24th of October, I was sitting in the classroom learning kinesiology because I just went, if I can help one person as much as this has helped me, I've I've made my life worthwhile. So what is kinesiology for people that are Unsure. I mean, I don't know it completely. I did have uh, Andrew Cox on. I did an episode with him, and he's a kinesiologist, and he ex- explained, but the basics of how it works. But what's your uh, your uh, teaching of kinesiology? Yeah, it's one of those things. I still get. Uh, you're a what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's not um, a. I guess the most well known uh, modality. But it takes a lot of Eastern wisdom and combines it with Western science. So we do uh, muscle testing. So we check muscle tone. So, for example, if you hold your arm up and I push it down and it's not stressed, your arm will hold. If you're stressed, that muscle, it's like the electrical circuit cannot hold because you're thinking of a stress. It creates an energetic shortcut 
And all of a sudden your arm will not be able to hold its tone and not be able to hold its position. Um, so that's sort of how we read the biofeedback from the body. But we work a lot with the energy systems of the meridian systems through Chinese medicine. Um, all of the meridian systems, um, we work with the chakra systems, we work with the auric fields. So we also work a lot with the energetic side of the body. But what we do with the muscle testing is we are able to read what's going on in the subconscious rather than just working on the conscious mind. So we're not talking around what's going on. And this is sometimes where um, psychology doesn't always work for people is because they're talking around the issue and talking and talking and talking. Mm. Whereas what we do is we're able then to test what actually is the stresses. And then we can use vibrational remedies and finding the emotional trigger that is keeping that pattern stuck in the body. And we're able to shift that pattern through so if you imagine holding on to an emotion and holding on and holding on and holding on, it actually creates imbalances in the body because you're creating blockages. So the energy isn't shifting. Whereas if you let the emotion bubble up, you feel it, you process it and you let it go, it can't create imbalances in the body because you've allowed it to come out. So what people often do, because we've been taught to be afraid of our emotions, we shove it down and then the next one comes up and we shove that on top of it. And so it becomes like the rocks you see at the beach where there's all the different layers. And each one of those is whether it be a small T trauma or a big T trauma. So the little traumas, you know, are anything that our body is not finding nourishing and nurturing. Okay. So that can be anything really that isn't in our highest good. So we can get shouted at by our parents and let's face it, I'm a parent, I'm guilty of this, you know, I'm not perfect. I shouted at my kids. You know what? That can create trauma depending on how they process that within their own bodies. Mm -hmm. Now then you have your big T traumas, of course, which are your accidents, your abuses, the bigger stuff that does go on, which is where most people think their trauma is. But every single person holds trauma in their body. And like I say, it can be a teacher bullying you or picking on you. It can be a religious leader. It can be, it can literally be anything, anything that kind of, you know, churns the mind over yeah. can be a trauma. And so what we do is we go back to the instance that planted that seed that creates that reactional pattern in your body and we sort it out at that point. So people are often quite surprised. I'll say, so what happened when you were six? And they're like, oh, my God. Like, And they'll come out with the story of what happened. Mm -hmm. We're then able to get the emotion that's keeping it stuck there. We shift it through. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, my God, I'm not reacting in that same way anymore. This is crazy. Yeah. So it's, it's, it is quite complex. I, I liken it to being a detective. Yeah. You're finding, trying to find finding the root cause. Of, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And, and what I admire about you as well is that you are about, you wanted answers. Mm. You, you did the hard work and you try, <laughs> you tried everything. You didn't give up. And I think a lot of people do that. They really do want a quick fix. They just want to see an, an allopathic doctor. I'm not saying that all allopathic doctors are bad, 
but you know they they want a script they want a quick mm. fix and that's not going to get rid of the problem it's just going to you know keep it at ease it's going to yeah. keep it keep it within you and you know just you know eliminate a little bit of pain but um so no I really admire that and I think mm. it's really important to note that that if you do go down the holistic pro- approach to getting better it does take some time it doesn't yeah but it would take much more time if you just keep prolonging it with medications. Mm. When you, when you say, (laughs) when you say that you use vibrational remedies, now are we talking sound frequencies? Are we talking electro crystal vibrations? What what are we, what are we talking about? You name it, all of them, (laughs) all of the things. Ah. I, um, I actually used to joke when I was studying that kinesiology is a really, really expensive hobby because, um, (laughs) I have what four or five different sets of um, flower and gem essences. Um, so bush, bush flowers, sky flowers, um, bark flowers. I think they're my three. I've got light body essences. I've got all sorts of different, um, I guess, potions. I've got crystal essences. We use um, oracle cards. Um, shells have a beautiful vibration. Essential oils. Part of the reason we use essential oils in healing is because there isn't, um, they go straight through the blood, uh, the the blood brain barrier. Mm -hmm. So they can affect the amygdala really, really fast. Mm -hmm. And they speak in a language that the amygdala understands. Mm -hmm. Um, So the amygdala is the part of our brain, which is our reactionary emotional type part. So it's part of the limbic system. And so it is the part of the brain that, you know, if you're walking along a bush path and you go, oh, snake, <laughs> and then you have a look and you realise it's just a stick. But it's it's that part that's trying to keep you safe and is very quick to react. But it's programmed before, mostly before we're two. So it's like going and picking up our little Fisher-Price toolkit yep. to go and fix big adult problems. Mm. And and so when we use the scent aspect to reprogram that amygdala, it is it's phenomenal. It goes straight there and it talks directly to those emotions that we've we've got stuck there. So yeah, so we use all sorts of things. Um, I love oh and sound. I use tuning forks. I use um, gongs. I've got um, a a crystal pyramid that has a beautiful vibrational resonance to it, um, sound bowls. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> All of the things. Yeah. No, are, are you finding yourself being quite a musical person now? Do you, or have you always had, had you always been a musical person? Well, funny you should say that. I, um, I learned to play the piano when I was younger and I was, I was quite good at it. I just didn't want to practice. Mm. That's the same um, with me. I was, I, yeah, <laughs> piano was my thing, but yeah, I was like, oh. and I didn't keep up with it. So I'm a little bit sad that I didn't do that. But anyway. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm disappointed too. But funnily enough, in the last few weeks, I'm actually going after this to go and check out potentially buying one. I'm going to get a keyboard to start with just to get myself back into reading music. Yeah. Um, but I have been really, really drawn to play at the moment. But I think opening up any side of that creativity, um, I've got a painting that I did in hanging up in my clinic space um, at the at the um, other clinic. I'm in my home clinic today. Um, 
But I think it, I think that is one of the things that it has really unlocked for me is the different forms of creativity. So part of the reason I love sound is if you think of, I guess, um, and this comes from Sol Lookman's work. He's he's amazing. He's all he talks about um, DNA potentiation. Anyway, it's fantastic. Okay. Um, so, so you, he talks sorry, about said Sol Lookman. Sol Lookman. S O L, and his surname is Luckman. Oh, L U C K Man Lookman. I, I just pronounce it that way. I don't know why. Oh, I, sorry, <laughs> I didn't know if I had it, but no, that's fine. Thank you. <laughs> But yeah, um, he talks about DNA potentiation. So basically, most people say that about 97% of our DNA is junk DNA. But since when has nature ever created something that is 97% useless? And I went, huh, that makes a lot lot of of sense. sense. Yeah, I like that. (laughs) So we just clearly have not worked out what that 97% of our DNA does yet. And so when he speaks about the different eras of medicine, era one medicine is our allopathic medicine. It's treating symptoms. It's, and, and I think that's what a lot of, you know, that's what most therapists do mm-hmm. is they look at what the symptoms are and they look at the way to reduce the symptoms. When we move into the healing aspect, we're looking for the root cause that is creating those symptoms. So we're coming at it in a different way. Cause yes, Reducing symptoms is amazing, but if we don't get the root cause, the symptoms will continue to bubble up eventually. We need to work out what's keeping that emotional vibration there or that vibration of of lack of wellness there. Mm -hmm. But era two medicine then goes into our light therapies and, and that is using color. It is using um, your crystals. It is using... It is using vibrational therapies that, that vibrate at that light level. And then you've got sound, which is what he calls era three medicine. And so sound cuts through. And when you think about most of the religions in the world, they talk about God speaking the world into existence. And that is quite phenomenal. And the amount of times that they talk about you know, God being the word or God speaking the words. Um, it is about that sound vibration, creating newness, creating change. And even when we think about, you know, spelling, using the words that we speak, it is such a powerful medicine and such a powerful vibration that we have. And when we hear often, and I've noticed this, how aware of language I have become, especially, I mean, during my study, it was a big thing, thinking about the language that we use, but watching it play out in the media over the last few years, I've become hyper aware of how much we end up getting programmed Mm -hmm. by those, those tricks of language. Yes. And even things like people saying, do you understand? Well, understanding means you are actually submitting to an authority. Mm -hmm. You are standing under them. And so even words like that, I'm being super careful when I use them and how I use them. I will more now say I comprehend. So using that power of, 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 of sound 
is phenomenal. And that's why I do love the tuning forks. I do love the singing bowls. I love my crystal pyramid, the touching um, got, uh, symbols, because it does cut through the vibrational, um, it changes the vibrational structure so quickly. It's like going in with pinpoint accuracy almost to where you need to unblock. And so a lot of what I have done has actually brought it up into that sound level. I still use all of, you know, a lot of the other things as well, of course, because it's about tailoring it to what the people need. Um, but even, you know what, there's been sessions that I've had where people have not got gotten on my table. They've sat in the chair the whole time and we've just talked. But I've seen the energy change while we're doing it. And so even though there is a few sessions where that has happened, it's been exactly what that person's needed is either the offloading and, and because when we speak, we hear our own story. It's not just running in our head. It's processing differently because it's coming out of our mouth, going back into our ear and we're hearing our own story. And that in itself is hugely powerful. And also they're being heard which gives them the validation. And so sometimes just that talking can be phenomenal as well, but in a slight, in a different way to talking around and around and around the issue, it's talking to the issue, finding out why it's staying stuck and giving behaviours or remedies or vibrations to tap into that then match what is going on in the body so it doesn't have to exist anymore. So we're trying to find the right ends of the magnet to stick together and repel the other bits. Wow. I love it. I'm just in a trance listening to you right now. <laughs> You're using your words and I'm listening. And I'm, yeah, I'm fixed. <laughs> you really must be able to go into a room and just go with the flow right is that uh, that's the vibe I'm getting from you when you go yeah. and meet you know, a new patient or do you call them patients or do you call it a client what do you a uh, client usually yeah I, yeah um, I think that's yeah it's so important yeah. to have is just to go with it uh, I, I feel with I, 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 don't, I hate I don't like to say negative things about other practices and but allopathic doctors it's uh, very structured and scripted. Mm. Don't you yeah. find it's, yes, this is how we're going to do it. Not let's work with the person. And yeah, yeah. I don't know. So yeah, no, I've, yeah. I've, um, I love what you're doing, what everything. It's fantastic. And I never thought about words the mm. way that you have just explained it. Obviously you knew that there was some sort of, you know, um, connection to words and, and how we express them, but yeah, words and smell. I never really oh, thought yes. much about smell in mm. terms of that having an impact on our, our bodies. And I, I've i recently given up my candles because of all the toxins that are in them. Mm. And I'm, I have been looking into essentials, like oils that aren't going to be damaging because I didn't realize how yes how much of an impact candles actually have they're very, actually very toxic so um <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is kind of good in a way because they're really expensive it's like 50 bucks oh yeah for a really nice 
candle, fragrant candle. And the thing is they have to use fragrance. They can't use essential oil because Mm. the the quantities that you'd need of essential oil would make candles basically unaffordable because you can't get the scent working unless it's a fragrance and most fragrances are toxic. Yeah. Um, and this is one of the things that people don't understand. So going into the, the more sciencey aspect, things like your plastics, um, your candles, your fragrance type stuff, mm-hmm. they create they create xenoestrogens in the body, which are hormones that mimic our estrogen. So it takes up the receptor that our actual hormones need to take up. And so then our body's not using the natural hormones. And so we end up storing those somewhere else um and so it it does create a bit of a it creates a big imbalance in our body um because it's not our natural hormones taking up the receptor sites it's these fake produced hormones and we get it through our meats we get it through you know our plastics we get it through formaldehydes and aldehydes which are in a lot of our fragrances um there's a lot of those chemicals that we use that create those imbalances in the body. Um, and it's it's quite frightening actually when you start, you know, sometimes I go, mm. God, I wish I didn't wish I didn't <laughs> yeah. know all of that stuff. Can I go back? But uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> once you do, I'm, you start to realize. I'm definitely learning as I'm going. And yeah, fr- perfume is the next one that I've got to go. Okay, now I've got to find an alternative. But yeah, I'm gradually eliminating things. And yeah, it does take time. Oh, we are yeah. so indoctrinated into yeah which is another question I was going to ask you a little yeah. bit about later but I also wanted to know more about the or if there is a origin or maybe the etymology of kinesiology is there a you have said about the connection with the gods and ancient civilizations in terms of the healing with frequencies and and things like that but how did kinesiology originate was it is it still considered to be a modern day practice who was the creator well we um the there were I know they used to call them the dirty dozen or that's how they you know in our in our um in our like study we learned all about that sort of history stuff and to be honest I can only remember parts of it which is Yeah. <laughs> but I know there were people like George Goodhart who started with applied kinesiology. He came from a chiropractic background. Um, John T, who did uh, Touch for Health, which is another type of kinesiology. There's something like 300 and yeah. whatever forms of kinesiology in the world. Um, and there were a lot of things that fed in from a lot of different aspects. So people like Hahnemann, who was the um, founder of homeopathy and mesmerism. And so it does go back quite a way. Um, But realistically, the way that we do it today, um, Dr. Dr. Dew is the guy who wrote PKP, which is the type of kinesiology I do, which is professional kinesiology practitioner. And we call it PKP. So um, Bruce and Joan Dew are the founders of that one. And Bruce was actually a medical doctor um, who started then um, doing some research on a lot of the other kinesiology practices that he had been exposed to. Um, So he'd done Touch for Health and he's done a lot of the research. Um, and, And I think one of the beautiful things about kinesiology is it does, it does evolve and change with 
you know, we do a lot with the quantum physics energy aspect. Um, it brings in new things all the time. And so it is always changing because there's new information coming out all the time. But the type that I did was, was um, mostly done in the 70s and 80s. Um, and so, yeah, in terms of modalities, it is relatively new, even though it was drawing on much more okay. ancient principles. Yeah. And so I guess that brings me to the, the question of, you know, you know, why do we listen more to the external influences than the internal knowing? <laughs> Is that <laughs> because, and, and I, pre, I really appreciate that about kinesiology too, because as you said, like it's all constantly changing. Mm. So you, you're kind of working that with society. Yeah. So part of the reason I, um, I guess I wrote the book, um, Divine Messy Human, um, is I know that I had submitted everything that I wanted to what everybody else wanted. I was trying to keep everybody else happy. I was a people pleaser. I, I didn't actually think I was worth a lot, to be honest. I was full of self-loathing. Um, you know, I was my own biggest abuser for so long. Um, I didn't actually need anybody else to, to be hard on me because I was, I was the one being hard on myself. I was never achieving enough or, you know, attractive enough or thin enough or all of those things that we're told through marketing, through, you know, interactions. You're not smart enough, pretty enough, funny enough, whatever enough, or you're too much of this, you're too much of that, you're too much of the other. And so I spent most of my, tr my time trying to navigate myself between that external influence of what I thought I needed to be and I'd ignore that internal stuff of what I actually needed to be. Um, and a lot of people do it and I think a lot of it came from, you know, patriarchy coming in two to 4,000 years ago um, I, I'm not against men in any way. I think men are beautiful, divine creatures, as are most women. You know, all, most all of us as humans have divine feminine and divine masculine principles within us that is completely separate from gender and identity and all of that. It is about the principles of masculine and feminine blending together to create us as whole. And what used to happen is when we honoured the goddess, mm -hmm. she was the earth. We moved with the cycles. We moved with each other. And that's not to say society was perfect because if society was perfect, we wouldn't have then, you know, developed the way that we have. Two to 4,000 years ago, we started to separate and put God up in the sky, in the clouds, and we separated him from our everyday life. We made him vengeful and you know <laughs> and as much as we say God is all loving and God is all caring and all of that we also at the same time made him vengeful and and um you know yeah shame and guilt became part of of the exploitative processes that we use to control society fear came in and so in that removal and that separation of us from our God source, 
we did choose instead of being in the goddess and being part of the cycles and being included in making things better with our own roles within the community, God became separate from us and all of a sudden we were going from that external influence. God wants you to be good and kind and all of these things, so we're going to punish you if you're not that. (laughs) And so in that separation, we started to look outside of ourselves for the answers rather than inside of ourselves. And, And obviously it's been a massive, massive process of doing that but you look at marketing now and marketing uses the you're not enough and you will not be enough until you buy my product until you have my car until you wear these clothes whatever that message is but it works on the you're not enough principle and most of life works on the you're not enough principle the school system you're only enough if you get x y and z right but it doesn't cater to probably 90% of children because every child has a unique expression. And so I think we have just been trained to look outside of ourselves for the answers. And that's why we have so much illness and sickness and everything else right now, because we don't know how to look in. We shout over that quiet inside voice the voice that speaks to us from inside. And I know mine ended up screaming and knocking me down with chronic fatigue and making me very sick because I wasn't fucking listening. I wasn't. Every time it piped up, I'd be like, you don't know what you're speaking about. You know, I've just got to get up. I've got a soldier on. I've got to, you know, and I have to say one of the best things about COVID is people are actually resting when they're sick again. Yes. Yes. Brilliant. (laughs) If that's all it's given us, I'm in love with it. You know, like people are staying home and resting when they're sick. Perfect. Do you know what? That's what we're supposed to do. And I think part of the reason we're so afraid of some of these diseases is we don't know how to look after sick people anymore. We're used to giving them a couple of Panadol, a couple of aspirin, a couple of Nurofen, a couple of Codril or whatever the hell it is, and that's not to promote any particular brands. Other brands are available. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sponsoring them. But, you know, we used to chuck pills at people and get them to go straight back to work. And then we'd wonder why they were sicker and why they'd get more colds or more flus or more, you know, whatever. And so I actually do love that about, So to me, that is actually us relearning, even though it's been forced on us, relearning to listen to that internal voice of, oh, yeah, I need to look after myself because I'm sick. I need to stay home. I need to, you know, rest. I I had a lot of stigma being in my younger, my youthful, well, I'm back in my 20s, when uh, I was getting a little bit sick, it would be, Mm. no, I'm going to work because I had that I can't be perceived as somebody that's weak and gets yeah so I have to go to work and I will go to work and do my job and still be sick and yeah and I think I had that a lot during my 20s and then as you get older you Mm. just you you chuck a sickie when you want (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no I I do feel as well there was also that kind of feeling as well you've you just trying to act as if you everything's fine and you're all right and um anyway yeah absolutely (laughs) absolutely with your spirituality and finding that along the way throughout everything that you've experienced when did that kind of 
click? When did you experience the awakening of spirituality? Do you know, I've always been really, um, I loved going to church when I was a kid. I loved it. Um, I, I mean, mm-hmm. yes, there was the element of we had to go, um, but there was something about the church that I always loved. Um, there was a peace there um, and there was something about it that always felt mystical and magical to me and awe-inspiring. Um, and I guess I blocked a lot of that out because it wasn't cool to be Christian, um, <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Um, and also I saw, as I got older, I saw a lot of the hypocrisy that came from the church. Um, and that started to, to, I guess, create an imbalance between what I felt when I was there and what I was seeing enacted in people's actions. Um, and then I guess it was before I really got into the kinesiology journey that I started to, uh, I guess, gravitate towards some of the spiritual teachers, you know, you Louise Hayes, um, Wayne Dyers, um, those kind of people started coming, coming across my path and I started reading their books. I started um, listening to them online. You know, I guess I found Hay House and a lot of their authors. Um and so just started really diving in and, and starting to be curious about what the bigger purpose was. I knew that I was not living my purpose in what I had chosen for my life and what I was trying to do with my life. I loved being a full-time mum, don't get me wrong, I absolutely adored it. Um, being around for my children was amazing. And also I knew I needed to do something different. And once I got on, once, you know, I got quite sick, um, it really led me down that path of, you know, do I want to be a naturopath or do I want to be a, um, a nutritionist or because I understood the big difference that what I ate made to me. Um, and even just in that, I started listening to my body more. And so it wasn't an external journey. It was an internal journey. I started to meditate more. I started to, you know, consult oracle cards and tarot decks. And I know that is just still getting the answers from within me. But I started to go down that kind of path of, you know, learning about all of these other ways to connect in. And I guess the way I look at spirituality um, I don't know, it's, it's my take on things, of course. I think everybody will have their own idea. But for me, the big difference between, I guess, spirituality and religion is spirituality is my experience with my God. And it took a lot of years for me to be comfortable with using that word. Um, I was really uncomfortable with using God because I felt like God had been separated from us. He was vengeful and I couldn't I couldn't imagine a god that was all about punishment and vengefulness I wanted that god who was loving and kind and compassionate and peaceful and understanding um and the more I went down that journey and went in and spent more time in nature and 
asked different questions of myself, the more I connected into that God, that God of love and peace and compassion and kindness. And, and that's, that was a huge part of, of, you know, I guess where I've gotten to today. And it's something I still highly value. You know, I don't have an issue necessarily with religion and, and all of that, but I'm not interested in dogma and, and rituals for ritual's sake. Um, if anything, I, the, the more I do this journey, the, the less I do things like consult my oracle cards, the less I, I actually do a lot of those rituals because I feel like I'm in the space more and more where I'm just yeah. community, communing and conversing with those higher powers and I take my time when I'm on my walks to you know have my own conversations with God I I spend time you know in quiet contemplation where I have those that connection um so even you know the more I've gone inward the more I've even needed the tools and you know yes I spoke about all the tools that I use in my practice but again the more I've done what I'm doing the less the tools I use and the book you released that book that was published yeah and so yeah what was that moment of I'm gonna write my story what was that experience like that it's been really really fascinating um the book was in my head on and off for five years or probably on for five years um in one version and another I probably had I don't know, four or five different titles that I was thinking about. I have so many files on my computer of me starting to write it and what I thought it would be and and none of that ended up um, making the book as far as I know. I haven't gone back and read a lot of it. Um, But I started working with a coach last, I think it was August, September kind of time, and halfway through October he said to me, right, it's time. You got to start writing it. And I was like, uh, what do you mean? We're actually doing this. <laughs> but once I opened the flow and I had that container set of somebody else saying, right, I want it out of you. And then he said, I want to be, I want you to be holding your finished manuscript by Christmas. And I'm like, but that's only 10 weeks away. He's like, yeah. Yeah. You can do it. Ten weeks. <laughs> it took five weeks five. for me to get the manuscript out. Wow. So from the day I started typing my first words to actually holding my books ready for sale mm-hmm. was 120 days. Wow. That is yeah. a miracle. <laughs> it was ready. It was certainly ready. But, again, I realised that part of it was, and I haven't told a lot of my story. I've told parts of my story. Um, but I, I hadn't told all of it and one of the, and because it's not about me, I know it's my book, but it's about what you can tap into. It's about different ways you could look at things. It's about things that I found really, really useful on my journey, um, tools and techniques and realizations and paradigm flipping of, you know, things like relationships or the way I thought about things and how that helped me to anchor into my internal truth. Um, and, and that has been 
it was a phenomenal exercise because like I say, once I opened the container, it just started flooding out. And it was quite interesting because I didn't write it in a, what I thought I would write it in. You know, I sort of thought I'd go from A to B to C, but I was jumping from this section and I'd be halfway through that. And then I'd get a brainwave and jump into a different section and start writing there. And then I'd go back and it was really all over the place. Um, but it was such an amazing experience because the book had been swimming in me for so long. What I had realised is I needed to get to a place in my healing where I had no hurt, no resentment, I had full forgiveness, I had full acceptance, I had fully surrendered to the fact that everything that had happened in my life had happened for a reason and had all made me who I was because I didn't want anything in my book to have any feeling of he did this or she did this. Or <laughs> I wanted it to be graceful and loving and I needed to take responsibility for my part in how much I had damaged my own health, how much I had abused myself, how nasty I'd been to myself and how I had acted in ways that were not in anybody else's highest good as well. I wasn't always loving and kind and all of that. I'm still not, you know, I'm still a work in process, hence the messy in the title. You know, humanness is messy. We aren't always on our A game. We do get tired. We do have days where we haven't slept or eaten well or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and we're not always going to be at our highest vibration at that point. If you could give the world universal advice, what would it be? That one key thing to, to impact the world, to change the world, if you could make people do something. You don't want to make people do something. but <laughs> <laughs> I get what you mean. It would be to slow down and tune in. Whenever we ask what is in our highest good and we act on that, it cannot be detrimental to anybody else because our highest good automatically takes into consideration everybody else's highest good because it can't be for the highest good if it's detrimental to anybody. And the more we tune in and the more we act on that, the better life becomes. Um, People often say to me, but hang on, if you're just doing what's in your highest good, you're going to be a selfish so-and-so. And I'm like, well, actually, no, because my highest good is going to be for the good of everybody. And, and it has been. Brilliant. I love it. It's deep. It's authentic. I resonate with it. All of what you said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling a coherent connection with kinesiology. Perhaps it's my calling. Oh, it's fascinating. You know, I started studying and I, I remember before I started, I was like, yeah, I can do kinesiology. It's two years. Yep. You know, I'd been saying no to a few other things because I'm like, oh, four-year university degree, no way. Well, I ended up doing the equivalent of six years' worth of study in four years wow. oh <laughs> So, because I did my kinesiology and then I did my kinesiopractic and I did um, total body modification, which is another type of kinesiology, and I ended up doing my Reiki and all of this other stuff came in and some advanced courses in quantum neurology and hormones and glands and all of that kind of stuff. And 
I remember studying with a couple of people who said, this is more, my partner's doing an MBA and this is more work than he has to do for his MBA. And we come out with, you know, a diploma at the end. (laughs) (laughs) But it was really intensive. It was really, really full on. There was a lot, a lot of work. And I think knowing if I'd known that before I went into it, I I might've rethought it, Um, (laughs) but I'm so glad I did. Yeah, no, I'm glad you did too. And I'm glad you've come out with a book. Anyone (laughs) that's written a book and comes out, I just think, wow, my hat's off to you. Well, I think also the more, the more I do this work, the more I realize that I don't know. And I think that's why I'm always looking at the next course. I'm always looking at the next, you know, the next book to read or the next thing to learn because I have realized this universe is so vast and so fascinating and human behavior itself is so fascinating and so varied and yet also so similar. And I just find it absolutely fascinating and engaging and so yeah the more I know the more I realize I don't know and therefore yeah the more I want to learn yeah I I was finding life very very boring and then I found metaphysics and quantum physics and (laughs) and I just went wow no life is actually really exciting we there's just so much we just don't know and yeah so yeah yeah, I completely agree with you with that and the metaphysical stuff is like, I love it. I mean, even when people are talking about their, their shoulder pain, it's like, okay, what, car- what burdens are you, you carrying that you shouldn't be carrying? And, you know, we deal with the stress around that and all of a sudden no more shoulder pain. And it's, it's yeah. phenomenal <laughs> when you start to realise what those, um, when you look beyond the physical and it's just, yeah, as you say. Yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal. Love it. Love <laughs> Life it. Life-changing. Yep. <laughs> and so you have your own practice. You were saying you've got a home practice as well as as a, another one. So it what what else is what else do you have going for you? What do you um have in the pipeline? Another book maybe oh, or is this so one? many things. <laughs> so many things. It's constantly growing and evolving. So um I'm doing um I'm just about to launch my term Three, it will be intuitive development um, circles. So I'm actually going to launch one online um, soon. I was only doing in person before, but I'm going to do one in person and one online. Um, I do obviously my kinesiology sessions, but I also now do transformative coaching, which are two hour sessions, or I do intuitive coaching, which tends to be an hour session. But I tend to um, tailor that to whoever it is and what they need for for their highest good. Um, I am also running some art workshops with a local artist here in Melbourne, uh, whereby we're going to do three pieces of art through the day. And in between each of those pieces of art, I'm going to be taking them through some deep clearings, which will be kind of cool and completely different. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just, just branching out in lots of different things at the moment. But, yeah, look, even when I was writing my first book, the second book started coming out of me. So I had to make notes and just put it in a file and I've parked it for now because, um, yeah, I'm not quite there yet. Um, but, yeah, it's just I think, again, it's exploring and I change as what I know develops. Um and, and also depending on the clients that I'm attracting and, and what they need. Um, and I think that's part of what I've loved about learning so much in so many different areas is that I can bring in lots of different tools. 
to help people with what they need to achieve or what they're looking to achieve. Um, I also do some quantum business planning with um, business owners as well. So getting them to tap into their quantum field and their quantum energy um, and, and forecast their business that way. So that we're, we're really getting to know the energetic entity that is our business. Um, so I'm starting to do a lot of that kind of work as well. So it's fun. I'm always That's bringing fantastic. in <laughs> You're in the flow of it, you know, it's all, you know, <laughs> happening for you. So that's fantastic. Yeah. And how can people find you? Um, I'm on the, uh, my website is www.amandakate.com.au. I am on Facebook at Amanda Kate Transformation. Um, I also have a um, Divine Messy Human Facebook group. I'm on um, Instagram at Amanda underscore underscore Kate. <laughs> Clearly, I changed my can't, name can't a little you, too yeah. late. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so okay. I didn't quite get the uh, any of the easy Amanda Kate versions of that. Um, and I've just started on TikTok, so I'm practicing on that oh, and having right. a bit of fun playing with that. And that's at Divinely Messy. Okay. So oh, all over so the place. I'll also leave those links in the podcast description. So people yeah, can beautiful. Links. And yes, I just want to thank you so much for taking out the time to sharing your inner wisdom, your knowledge on, on everything. And yeah, I loved it. I loved it all. So oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been beautiful. You've got a fabulous energy. So and oh, I, love, good. I, I loved listening so. to you before I got to come <laughs> on. So yeah, I love the conversations oh. you're having and they're so needed in the world right now. Oh, thank you, Amanda. Are you planning on coming back to your home state of Perth, Western Australia? I would love to. <laughs> I, I am missing travel, I do have to say. <clears throat> I am very much missing travel, but uh, there are so many beautiful places I want to go visit and Perth is definitely one of them. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for your time thank and you. all the best. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in. I trust that you enjoyed the conversation and I hope you learned something new. And uh, I won't ramble on because I did that at the beginning of the discussion. So I'm going to leave it with have an open heart, have an open mind, live your life and be free. Thanks for tuning in.